If you're interested in partnering with Magical Storybook English Nanny Bedtime Stories or wanting to know more about sponsorship opportunities, then visit our website www.magical-storybook.com. You can also download free read-along books to accompany our fairy tales. Welcome to Magical Storybook, a collection of children's stories from around the world. The Ugly Duckling It was summer. The corn was golden yellow, the oats were green, the hay was stacked up in the green meadows and the stork walked around on his long red legs, chattering in Arabic, a language that he'd learned from his mother. All around the fields and meadows there were woods, and in the midst of these woods were deep lakes. It was indeed glorious out in the country. Standing there in the sunshine was an old manor, surrounded by a deep moat, and from its walls right down to the water's edge grew great dock leaves, which were so tall that small children could stand up right under the tallest of them. It was as wild here as the thickest wood. And here, a duck was sitting on her nest, hatching out her little ducklings. But she was getting tired. It was taking such a long time, and hardly anyone came to pay her a visit. The other ducks preferred to swim about in the water, rather than sit under a dock leaf chatting to her. At last, the eggs began to crack, one after the other. All the egg yolks had come alive and were popping their heads out. Quack, quack, said the mother duck, and they all hurried out as fast as they could, blinking their little eyes all around them under the green leaves. And mother duck let them look to their heart's content, for green is good for the eyes. What a big world it is, cheeped the little ones, for they now had much more room than when they were in the eggs. Don't go thinking that this is the whole world, said their mother. It stretches far beyond the other side of the garden, right into the vicarage, though I've never been up that far myself. And she stood up. Are you all here? No, I haven't got you all yet. The biggest egg is still there. How long is that one going to take, I wonder? I'm just about fed up with waiting. And she sat down on it again. Well, how goes it? inquired an old duck who was paying her a call. There's this one here. It's taking an awfully long time, said the mother duck. I just can't get it to hatch. But come and have a look at the others. They're the loveliest ducklings that you've ever set eyes on. Just let me have a look at that egg that won't hatch, said the old duck. Yes, I thought so. You may take my word for it. That's a turkey's egg, all right. I was fooled once like that myself, and I had my pack of troubles with the young ones, I can tell you. They're afraid of the water. I just couldn't get them to go in. I quacked and clucked, but a fat lot of good that did. Just let me see that egg again. Yes, that's a turkey's egg, all right. I'd just leave it if I were you. Ah, well, I think I'll sit on it a bit longer, said the duck. I've sat so long that a few more days won't make any difference. It's no concern of mine, said the old duck, and off she waddled. 
At last, the great egg did burst. Peep, peep, said the newborn duck, tumbling out. Mother duck looked at him. He's appallingly large, she said. None of the others looked anything like that. Surely he couldn't be a turkey chick. Anyway, we'll soon find out. The next day, the weather was perfect and the sun shone down on all the green dock leaves. Mother Duck and all her family came down to the water. Splash! In she went. Quack, quack! She clucked and in went the ducklings, one after the other. Their little legs worked busily away. They were all in the water, even the grey ugly one. No, he's no turkey, she said. Look how well he moves his legs, how upright he holds himself. He's my very own child and no mistake. And he's really quite pretty when you take a second to look at him. Come along all of you now, follow me and I'll take you out into the great wide world and introduce you to the other members of the duckyard. But stay close to me all the time, you may get trodden on and beware of the cat. And so, out they all went into the duckyard, where there was a terrible row going on between two families quarrelling over an eel's head, but the cat got it in the end. That's how things are in the world, said the mother duck, her mouth watering a little, for she would dearly have loved the eel's head for herself. Now come along, use your legs properly and don't dilly-dally. And when you pass that old duck over there, be sure to bow your heads politely, for she's the most distinguished person here. She has Spanish blood in her veins. And can you see? She has a red band of cloth around her leg, which means she's somebody very special. Come on now, smarten yourselves up a bit. You must not turn your toes in. Well-bred ducklings don't do that. Now bow your heads politely and say, quack. And this they did. The other ducks looked round and stared at them and said, loud enough for everybody to hear, Now we've got this lot to put up with. There's far too many of us here as it is. And phew! Just look at that one over there. We're certainly not going to stand for him. And one duck flew right over to him and bit him in the neck. Now you just leave him alone, do you hear? said the mother duck. He hasn't done anything to you. Yes, but look at the size of him, said the duck who had bitten him. And he certainly looks odd. He had better be kept in his place. That's a pretty lot of ducklings, said the old duck with the red cloth band round her leg. Except that ugly thing over there. But he's extremely good-natured, said the mother duck. And he's as good a swimmer as any of the others. A little better even, I dare say. Then she gave him a peck on the neck and smoothed his feathers. Anyway, she added, looks don't matter that much. Well, make yourselves at home, said the old duck. And if you happen to find an eel's head, I'd be grateful if you'd bring it along to me. And so they made themselves at home. But the wretched little duck, which was the last to be hatched, was bitten and pushed around and made to look silly by both the ducks and the chickens. He's too big, they all said. And the turkey, who had been born with spurs and therefore considered himself an emperor, puffed himself out like a ship in full sail and came straight at him, 
gobbling for all he was worth and getting almost purple in the face. As the days went by, things got worse and worse. The poor duckling was chased around by everyone and even his own brothers and sisters turned nasty towards him. One day he ran off and flew over the fence, but the little birds in the bushes also made off in terror. It's because I'm so ugly, thought the little duckling, and he shut his eyes and flew on further until he came out onto the great moor where the wild ducks lived. Here he lay the whole night through, tired and sick at heart. When he woke up the next morning, he saw a whole flock of wild ducks come flying towards him. What may you be? they asked, looking the newcomer up and down, and the duckling bowed his head in greeting, turning his head this way and that, as best he could. You are ugly and no mistake, they said. All he hoped for was to be allowed to lie in the sedge and drink a little marsh water. He lay in those marshes for two long days, and then along came two wild geese, or rather two wild ganders. It hadn't been long since they'd been hatched, and that's perhaps why they said the first thing that came into their heads. Listen, friend, they said. You're so ugly that we've quite taken to you. Why not come along with us and be a bird of passage? Close by in the next moor, there are some delightful wild geese. Come along and try your luck. Just at that moment, there were two loud bangs and the two wild geese fell down dead in the rushes. Then there were two further shots and whole flocks of wild geese rose up from among the reeds. A great hunt was going on. There were huntsmen lying in wait all around the marshes. Blue gun smoke rose up like clouds into the dark trees and drifted away slowly over the water. Retriever dogs came splashing their way through the swamp, bending the reeds and rushes in all directions. It was all terribly frightening for the poor duckling, and so he lay, perfectly still, as the gunshots whistled through the reeds and the banging and shooting deafened his ears. After waiting several hours, he raised his head from under his wing, looked about him and hurried off out of the marsh as fast as he could. Over field and meadow he ran, on and on, through a fierce storm that had begun to rage. Towards the evening, he came to a broken-down little hut. It was in such a tumble-down state that it didn't know which side to fall, and so it remained standing. Then he noticed that the door had come off one of its hinges and slanted in such a way as to leave a gap through which he could slip inside. And this he did. It so happened that an old woman lived in this hut with her cat and her hen. The cat was called Sunnykins. He could arch his back and purr and his fur would even give out sparks if you stroked him the wrong way. The hen was called Chick Shortykins because of her ridiculously short legs. The old woman was very attached to her. In the morning, they noticed that there was a strange duckling in the house and the cat began to purr and the hen to cackle. What's all this then? said the woman looking around. But she couldn't see that well and so she thought the duckling was some nice fat duck that had lost its way. Ah, she said. 
That's a nice little thing we've caught. Now I'll be able to get some duck eggs. That is, if it's not a drake. We'll soon tell. And so the duckling was taken on trial for three weeks. But no eggs appeared. The cat was master of the house and the hen the mistress. The hen kept him firmly in his place. Can you lay eggs? she asked. No. Then kindly hold your tongue. And the cat said, Can you arch your back? Can you purr? Can you flash sparks? No. Then kindly refrain from expressing opinions when sensible folk are talking. So the duckling sat in the corner, feeling as sad as sad could be. He thought of the fresh air and the sunshine and felt a sudden longing to swim on the water. So strong was the feeling, he had to tell the hen about it. What on earth has come over you? asked the hen. All these odd notions come into your silly head because you just sit and don't do anything. Lay an egg or purr or something and you'll soon feel yourself again, I assure you. But it's really so lovely in the water said the duckling. It's grand getting the water over your head and plunging right down to the bottom. Oh yes, it must be really grand, said the hen. You're crazy, that's what you are. Ask the cat, there's nobody cleverer than he is. Just you ask him whether he likes swimming on the water and plunging down to the bottom. You don't understand what I mean, said the duckling. Well, if we can't understand you, who on earth would, I'd like to know. You're just a chatterbox. It's no fun associating with the likes of you. Believe me, what I'm telling you is for your own good. I'm telling you a few unpleasant truths. That's a sign of a genuine friend. Come now, make an effort, lay some eggs and learn to purr and give out sparks. I think I'll go out into the wide world, said the duckling. So the duckling went off and swam in the water and dived deep down. By now it was autumn. The leaves in the forest turned yellow and brown and the wind whirled round and round in an untidy dance. Up in the clouds it looked cold and the air was heavy with hail and snowflakes and on the fence stood the raven who squawked out of sheer cold. It made the ugly duckling feel chillier than ever. Poor duckling, he felt totally miserable. One evening, against a glorious sunset, a whole flock of handsome birds rose out of the bushes. Never had the duckling witnessed anything so beautiful. Dazzling white they were, with long, graceful necks. They were swans, of course, and with a single strange cry, they spread their splendid wide wings and flew off to warmer, faraway lands, where the lakes do not freeze. Higher and higher they flew, and the ugly duckling felt a strange longing as he watched them. He wheeled round and round in the water, stretched out his neck in the air towards them, and gave out such a peculiar cry that he himself was frightened by it. Oh, he would never forget those beautiful blessed birds. But when they were out of sight, he plunged right to the bottom of the water, and when he came up again, he felt stranger than ever. He did not know the name of those birds, nor where they were flying, but he loved them more than anything else he had ever loved before. Such loveliness was not meant for him. 
The winter was bitterly cold. The duckling had to swim about in the water to stop it freezing up entirely. But every night, the hole where he swam became smaller and smaller. It froze and the crust of the ice crackled and the duckling had to use his legs constantly to stop the ice from closing in on him. In the end, he became quite exhausted and lay quite still, frozen fast in the ice. Early the next morning, a farm worker happened to pass by and spotted him. He went out and broke the ice with his wooden shoe and carried the duckling back home to his wife. There, he came to life again. His children wanted to play with him, but the duckling thought that they might do him harm and in his terror flew straight into the milk vat, sending a shower of milk all over the room. The woman screamed and clapped her hands and the duckling flew into a tub where the butter was being made and from there into a barrel of flour and out again. You can imagine what a sight he must have looked after all this. The woman was screeching her head off and threw the tongues at him. The children, laughing and yelling, tripped over one another as they tried to catch him. Luckily the door happened to be open and the poor thing was able to fly out into some bushes amid the newly fallen snow. And there he lay, as though in a trance. It would be too sorrowful a tale to tell you all that the poor duckling had to go through during that harsh winter. He lay out in the swamp among the reeds until at last the sun began to shine again and the larks began to sing. It was a magnificent spring. Once more the duckling stretched his wings, beating the air more vigorously than before and flew strongly away. He found himself in a large garden full of apple trees in bloom and scented lilac trees whose long green branches hung down over the winding canals. How gloriously beautiful it was here, so full of the freshness of spring. And what is this coming towards him out of the thickets? Three beautiful white swans, their feathers rustling, gliding ever so smoothly over the water. The duckling recognised those splendid creatures and felt overcome by a strange melancholy. He flew out into the water and swam towards the beautiful swans. They saw him and came sailing swiftly towards him with rustling wings. The poor creature bowed his head low against the flat of the water, expecting death. But what was this he saw in the water? He saw beneath him his own image, but no longer that of a clumsy, ugly grey bird. What he beheld was a snow-white swan. The splendid swans swam slowly around him and stroked him with their beaks. Little children came running into the garden and threw bread and corn into the water. The smallest exclaimed, Look, there's a new one! and the others shouted delightfully, Yes, a new one has arrived! They clapped their hands and danced around and ran to their mothers and fathers and more bread and cake were thrown into the water. This new one is more beautiful than any of them, they said. He's so young and handsome. And the old swans bowed their heads to him. Then he felt quite shy and covered his head with his wings. 
He was so happy, he didn't know what to do with himself, and he kept thinking how ill-treated he had been and despised. And yet now they were all saying that he was the most beautiful of all the birds. The elder tree bent down its branches over the water before him, and the sun shone warm and bright. He rustled his feathers, raised his slender neck, and in the joy of his heart he thought, Little did I dream of such happiness when I was the ugly duckling. And he somehow felt happy that he'd been through all those hardships and troubles. For now, he could feel a greater sense of joy at all the loveliness and good fortune that lay ahead of him. <laughs> 